Praise you. 
awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Father, we are in awe of who you are and of all that you have done and have promised to do for us, for this world. We come today to worship you, to open our lives to you, and our prayer is that through your Holy Spirit present with us, you would change us and work in us, make us new creatures. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Share what a greeting with others who are here in worship today. Great to see you, especially uh, welcome those of you who are students uh, back to campus, back to town and to church. Uh, lo- always love having you back and we pray that this is a, you had a good break and you have a great semester. And uh, we look forward to uh, worshiping together and in ministry together. There are a lot of things in the bulletin. Uh, let me just highlight tonight, small groups uh, begin, some groups meet during the week. If you're not a part of a group and you'd like to be, there's an insert in the bulletin that lists the groups. Love to have you uh, involved in those, and you can contact folks about uh, being part of the group or just show up. It says times and places there. Wednesday evening, uh, all of our ministries on regular schedule for children and adults. Uh, we do need a couple of people to help with the four-year-old class on Wednesday night. Uh, it's about um, probably be about six or six fifteen to about 7.45, so about an hour and a half of time. If you would be interested in that or you would like to know more about it, you can contact Emily Hoffman at the church or you can talk to me after the service and uh, we'll get you connected to her. But uh, it's a great opportunity to help our children. So if you would be interested in that, let us know. We'd appreciate your help. Next Sunday morning, we gather for worship again at 8.20, 9.40 and 11. Uh, there is another insert in your bulletin that's this uh, lime green color about our missions convention that's coming up in a few weeks. This year we are focusing on uh, more of the local ministries of our church and particularly thinking about the ministry in the inner city of Buffalo. And so there are some, some things here uh, about projects we're doing and uh, trips that are, we're taking to Buffalo and we're hearing some reports from them. If you'd like to be a part of the trip that goes on the 29th of this month, just about a week and a half, uh, there's, a, you can, there's a tear-off part of the insert of that bulletin, and you can drop in the offering plate or give it to me or one of the uh, ushers or pastors this morning or just contact the church office, and we'll get you in, as part of that group. It's an opportunity to see what God is doing in, the, uh, in Buffalo, and uh, there's some great things happening. And I know it's an encouragement to the people who work there, and I think God can use that in our own lives as we think about our involvement in the world beyond us. There are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin, people... Who are dealing with health issues. There are uh, people who are dealing with recent deaths. I did want to mention that I want to pray for Tammy Dunmire and her family. Her grandfather died uh, Thursday morning, and uh, then uh, two days later, her grandmother died, and uh, she had been ill as well. So I know that uh, Tammy's family would appreciate our prayers. There is a, a combined funeral service for them tomorrow, more, tomorrow in Maine, and I know their family would appreciate our prayers. We're going to ask the ushers to come and assist us as we give back to God from all the ways in which he has blessed us.
Unshakable. 
we spend time praying together, if you'd like to use the altar rail where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we come today acknowledging that you are the God, the creator of all, sustainer of all. You are the only true God. In your majesty and power, you are also the God of grace and mercy. You are indeed the defender of the weak, the sustainer of the vulnerable. You are our help in every time of need. And we come to you today confident that you hear our prayers because you love us, because you're for us. Father, we come today praying for people who are struggling with the realities of life. People who are in pain. People who are struggling with disease and injuries. People recovering from surgery. People facing surgery. People uncertain about the future, their health. We pray for healing and for comfort. We pray for all who are grieving. We know that death is a reality of living in this world, but death is so painful for us. We pray that you would comfort every grieving heart and that you would give mercy in each need. Father, we pray for our relationships and just the reality of the struggles we have as human beings. We pray that you would bring healing. We pray that you would soften our hearts. We pray that you would work miraculously. On the Sunday when we specifically think about the sanctity of human life... We ask that you would fill us anew with love and compassion for the born and the unborn. We pray, Father, that this would be a a time for us to truly contemplate our commitment to life the way you are committed to life. We ask, Father, that you would help us in this, in this commitment to be people who not just care about life, but who, who are loving and compassionate toward each other. Father, this weekend, as we honor the memory of Dr. King, we are reminded of the ways in which he changed and shaped so much in our nation. We pray, Father, that you will help us as a nation. Forgive us that we are still segregated. We still allow racism to drive so much of what happens in our nation.
Forgive us for what's in our hearts. And we ask, Father, that you will bring about a new day of healing and openness and love. That we care for one another, no matter our race or nationality or whatever other things may divide us. That we would be focused on you and your love. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers today. We pray that you will give us a deepened realization that you are the rock of ages and that we can cling to you for strength and transformation and hope. We offer our prayers in the name of the power of our Lord and Savior and coming King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And I would invite you to stand with us as we read from the Gospel of John. John 10, verses 1 through 18. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter by the sheepfold, uh, by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of him. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Please remain standing.
Your kindness leads us to repentance. Your goodness draws us to your side. Your mercy calls us to be like you. Your favor is our delight. Every day we'll awaken our praise and pour out a song from our hearts. You are God. You are God. You are God. soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
If you were here a month or so ago, you're going to think that I am um, enamored with the royal family. I'm really not. Uh, I don't really think much about the royal family at all. But something intriguing struck me a couple of things this past summer when uh, Prince George was born. And I shared a couple of weeks ago just about the, the whole fiasco of getting the birth announcement to Buckingham Palace. The other thing that struck me was the, the hospital where uh, Kate had gone to have the baby and the waiting for that. There was this, of course, this news frenzy, you know, hundreds of people there. And, and they kept showing a picture of this door. And we have a picture over here. This is the outside of the hospital and this, this door. And everyone was focused on this door. And in fact, in the next picture, you can see just a, some of the, the crowd of newspaper, news reporters and photographers and hundreds and hundreds of people across the street just watching that door. And... What struck me is, uh, as this was all unfolding, I was watching, I think it was the Today Show one morning, and they, Matt Lauer or somebody made the comment, this is the most watched door in the world. And a light just went on for me. Wow, that's amazing. That you would actually say, this one door is the most watched door in the world. And in that moment, he's probably right, as all of that was unfolding. But something in the back of my mind began to turn about, about doors and about how doors are significant to our lives. This door was symbolic of what was going on in that hospital and, and what will happen in the coming years as this little baby probably eventually will become the king of England. And I began thinking about doors. Now, we probably take doors for granted. We don't think a lot about doors. They're just something that we walk through. Unless you are, someone's chasing you, and you run and get behind the door, then you think about it. Or if it's really cold outside, and you close the door so you can stay warm, we don't really think that much about doors. But doors are important. I mean, you, you think about your, I don't know, do you know how many doors are in your house? I had no idea. I went and counted it. We had 19 doors in our house. Uh, then I got curious, how many doors are in this church? I counted 129 doors in this church. That one makes 130. <laughs> and, of course, at the same time, on some rooms, I'm thinking, did I count that door? Because I saw it from the other side, too. So it, yeah, don't hold me to that, but it's close. We don't, we don't think that much about doors. They're just there until we really need them. But the other thing that strikes me about doors is they come, in, they're, they're made in different styles, different colors, and, and they say a lot, they reveal a lot about cultures, countries, peoples. 
And, and I, I've collected a few images of, of doors that I want to show you this morning, just a few of them that just, as you look at them, you, it might trigger for you um, something related to a group of people or a nation or something about it. Oh, wait, those are other kinds of doors. Sorry about that. That's a whole cultural thing too, but we won't talk about that today. Here's what struck me about doors. They seem to me to be an apt metaphor for epiphany. Epiphany is about manifestation. It's revelation. It's about God revealing himself to the world through Christ. We celebrate Christmas and the coming of Christ. We celebrate Epiphany as we we think about the life of Christ and the words of Christ as he reveals to us what God is like. And doors that open and shut, doors that reveal and hide seem to me to be an apt metaphor of, of what Jesus is doing as he comes to earth, as he lives out his life, as he teaches as he does miracles, as he gives us a clear picture of who God is. And that picture is so important to us. At the beginning of his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer says the very first sentence he writes is, the things that come to our minds about God are the most important things about us. The things that come to our minds about God are the most important things about us. See, by that he means what motivates us goes back to our view of God. Our relationships go back to our view of God. Our priorities go back to our view of God. How we think about ourselves goes back to our view of God. Everything about life, everything that we see and think about life goes back to our view of God. The events of the world go back to people's views of God. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about someone who says, I am a full-out follower of Jesus Christ, or someone who says, I completely reject the idea that there's a God who exists. Both of them are making, both people are making statements about who God is and what God is like. And it is bearing on every decision they make from that moment on. The great question of life is, what is God like? What does God expect of us? What does God want from us? What does God desire of us? What is God like? And the reason that question is so important and so difficult for us is because we have all these skewed views of God. When Adam and Eve were first created, they have a perfect image of God. They understand God perfectly. When God speaks, they know exactly what God means. When God does something, they, know, they understand exactly what God is doing. There is no miscommunication and no misinterpretation. But as soon as sin enters the world, 
All of us have what David Siemens calls damaged receptors. And our antenna by which we understand God and, and, and by which we hear God and see God and know what God is like, our antenna is, becomes twisted and skewed and torn and broken. And God is saying the same thing. God is doing the same things. We're just not getting it. And out of these false images of God, we distrust God and we question God and we turn on God and we reject God because we just can't believe that God is who he says he is. We don't get it anymore. And God understanding our inability to know him and to to accept him speaks into the lives of people so that they can be examples. And so he speaks to Noah and Abraham and Moses and Jacob, Israel. And then he calls out this nation to be his people, that they would have such a relationship with him and they would trust him so much that people would see this is what God is like. And all the laws that God gives them, all the things that God says, this is what it means to follow me. These are all intended to help people understand who he is. But they reject him. They don't get it either. So God sends the prophets to speak a clear word. This is who God is. This is, these are God's expectations. This is what it means to be a follower of God. And they also are rejected. And ultimately, the only solution is Jesus. And Jesus comes to this earth as the perfect image of God because he is God. And we see in Jesus exactly what God is like. We see in Jesus through his words and his actions and everything about his life. This is God. All the things that we've thought about God that were wrong are corrected in Jesus. All the things we've wondered about God and weren't sure are certified in Jesus. Jesus is the perfect image of God. And we come to John chapter 10. And Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep to go in and out. I am the door of the kingdom of God. I am the way, the truth, the life. John writes a little bit later, Jesus says. I am the door. And over the course of the next few weeks, I want to explore some biblical images of doors that help us understand who God is, what God is like. And for just a moment, I want to think a little bit more about this passage in John 10. There's lots of things here that we could talk about. I want to just focus just a couple of minutes on what Jesus' words, I am the door. I am the door To the sheep gate. I am the door for the sheep. They go in and out. Back and forth. So they go in and out for nourishment. Everyone else who claims to be for the sheep. They all are robbers and liars. They come to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come to give life. I'm the door. 
As I read this passage, one of the things that comes to my mind is this idea of why Jesus, what Jesus says is the result of him being the door, is that he says the sheep come in and out. There is this sense of freedom for the sheep. And they get nourishment in that. And when we talk about Jesus as the door, what he's revealing to us about God is that God's plan, God's intention, God's design and desires for us is that we be people who live in freedom and people who know life and joy to the fullest. Unfortunately, the church hasn't done a very good job of communicating that, at least in my experience. I think a lot of people would say being a Christian feels more like bondage than freedom. Being a Christian feels more like all the things that we can't do rather than things that we can do. And part of the reason, part of our confusion is that we have misunderstood what freedom means. So we think freedom is I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, anytime I want, any place I want. Freedom's all about me. If you know anyone who has said, I am free and I'm going to do anything I want to do, anytime I want to do it. My experience has been, these are not people who are free. These are people who are in bondage. Because they end up getting themselves into situations that destroy their lives. How is it that Jesus offers freedom to us? It's because when we're followers of Jesus, we are free to let go. We're free to give away our lives. We're free to love other people, to feel compassion toward other people, to give ourselves away to other people. Because Christ has given himself for us. Later in this passage, I mean, in this passage, Jesus not only says he's the door, he also says he's the shepherd, the good shepherd, who lays down his life for his sheep. And Jesus, the door, who offers us freedom and life, is the one who gives his life for us. Simply because he loves us. Simply because he cares for us. We're important to him. And when we know we are loved to that depth, when we know that we are loved and and God will never reject us, when we know that we are loved to the point that Jesus is willing to give his life for us, we can freely give ourselves away. Because we can never truly lose. See, the problem with, with us is that we're always thinking about how we can hang on to things. We're always trying to protect our possessions. We're always trying to protect ourselves. We're always trying to protect what we have. And we're afraid to trust. We're afraid to risk. We're afraid to give away. We all wrestle with that. All of us. Jesus says... I have given my life for you. Not because anyone made me, not because anyone forced me, because I want to. Because I've given my all for you, you can give yourself away. 
because you'll always have me. And there is freedom in living like that. There's no freedom in hoarding. There's no freedom in, in, in uh, tying up things. There is no freedom in, in trying to control. There's only freedom in letting go. And that kind of freedom feels like risk. That kind of freedom feels like the most dangerous thing in the world. You can get burned giving with that kind of freedom. People will hurt you when you live in that kind of freedom. People might reject us in that kind of freedom. We're vulnerable with that kind of freedom. Yeah, we are. But it's still freedom. It's freedom to love. Freedom to give. Freedom to sacrifice. Because the one who said, I am the door is the one who laid down his life for you and me. In the problem of pain, C.S. Lewis said, I've come to realize that the, the world exists not for us to love God, but for God to love us. And that is the truth. As we come to this table this morning, this is a table in which we encounter that depth of love from Jesus. This is a table where we come face to face with the body and the blood of Christ broken and shed for you and me. This is a table with which we are confronted with the door of life and freedom and grace and joy. We come to this table thinking that we are, we are seeking God only to find that God is always seeking us. We come to this table thinking it's all about us loving God and we realize, no, it's all about God loving us. And opening the door of his kingdom so that we might live in freedom, joy, and life. If you have been a follower of Jesus for a short time or a long time, every one of us needs to remember that the kingdom of Jesus is about freedom. That's why he comes. That's what he reveals to us about God. And maybe if you haven't yet walked through that door, you've been contemplating God, wondering about God, see in Christ what he offers you. Freedom, joy, life, love. Heavenly Father, We give thanks to you for the gift of Christ that reveals so clearly for us who you are and all that you offer us. We pray today that you will give to us a new, deeper understanding of of the freedom that is ours in surrendering to Christ 
giving ourselves away through your love and grace. We come face to face this morning with Christ's broken body and shed blood. Help us to encounter the great love of Christ for each of us. We pray that you will pour out your blessing on these elements that as we eat and drink, that we might be filled with your spirit, that we might be set free to give ourselves away and that we might know the reality of abundant life. Through Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to receive communion this morning by mode of intention, which means to dip in. As you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then return to your seat by the outside aisles. If you'd like to, to pray, the altar rail is always open for you. If We also have uh, gluten-free wafers available and cups of juice. If that's an issue for you, we're happy to serve you. As you come up, just let me know. And we have trays of bread and cups in the back if you prefer or if it's difficult for you to come to the front just let the usher know as your row is released and we will serve you there in your seat I always like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church it simply means it might be the first time you've ever worshipped here but if you come today with your heart open to God with a desire in your heart to, to know the joy and the freedom and the life that is ours in Christ then come and receive these gifts from our gracious, loving Heavenly Father.
Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.